Hello and welcome to Counterpoint podcast. I am Shubham Agarwal and we are joined by Satya here today uh, to complete our series on thinking processes which we had started long back. Uh, we had promised that we would uh, come up with the discussion on mystery analysis quite some time back, but we took time to record and release the episode because uh, COVID hit us. There were some other uh, concerns uh, around uh, recording the episode and uh, we are finally here to you know share the knowledge on mystery analysis. So let's welcome Satya. Uh, hi Satya, uh, welcome. How are you? Hi, hi Subham. Uh, nice to be here again. So Satya, we we talked about mystery analysis in brief in one of the last episodes. But what is what is really a mystery, and what is this analysis all about? Okay. So let's try to define the word uh, mystery. So many times, what happens is we think through a solution and we expect the solution to give us some result. But when we start implementing the results either are much more than uh, what we expected or it is actually a other way around the results are are not seen or worse the result uh, goes downwards so this is what we call as mystery which is getting results beyond uh, anticipation so what i see in organizations is there is uh, no proper rigor in um, evaluating mysteries and hence organizations don't learn a lot suppose your sales goes down in a territory and you talk to sales people you'll hear various different kind of storylines and the storylines that contradict each other so what we are going to discuss today is the rigor of trying to do a mystery analysis in a very systematic way and hence develop an ability to learn further as an organization lovely what i have found interesting was that you said not just the negative results but also the positive results because you know there are a lot of times that happens that you know your results are much more than you had expected even that is a mystery which which i kind of you know bulb lit up in my mind because whenever that happens we just take the laurels to our name and we uh, move on but i think uh, there is a lot to learn from the positive results as well which were beyond our expectations correct correct so maybe there are other factors that are uh, playing in so we need to be very careful on how we draw conclusions about whether the theory worked or didn't work so everything that is beyond the intended result is a mystery that's the way to look at it lovely great so uh, satya we had spoken about you know some of the tools like some logical tools like you know crt uh, and and some others why can that not be used for mystery analysis so before i try to answer let's try to do a quick recap on what is crt all about crt is all about trying to come out with a very good explanation about what is the real problem given the organization uh, that we are trying to analyze or let's say a system that we are trying to analyze that why this is the problem and and, and this is not a symptom so we it is a unrefutable explanation about what is the core problem right so that is what a crt is used for the as is condition the as is condition so come out with a unrefutable logic uh, of of your entire uh, analysis and synthesis of of the situation and and you say that this is the main problem that we need to attack right and frt is about trying to say that the solution that you have thought through you come out with a, another unrefutable explanation as to why the solution will deliver the intended results now both crt and frt is what it it is it is trying to build this uh, explanations before you start implementing okay so the tools are very useful to kill uh, badly thought solutions or or uh, you know the top of the mind solutions which have not been well thought out 
or or let's say you know the boss wants to do it so let's do it those kind of solutions right so so crt and frt is what you try to do before the implementation so that what you put onto the onto the ground is something that is well thought out okay right what we are going to discuss today misty analysis is something that has already happened and now we are trying to analyze what has happened and why has it happened so it is basically trying to find out what went wrong in the implementation phase so to say yes was your implementation at fault or the solution was incomplete or our solution was put in an environment which had a hidden you know condition that we we all missed out and that could happen okay i think uh, now that the context is very set for why are we doing the mystery analysis let us start by understanding first in order to do this analysis what do we require what do we how do we start how do we collect all the requirements to be able to do a good mystery analysis yeah so very very important that we think through the entire um, you know the causal structure before the start of the implementation to understand the the mystery right if if we don't set up the uh, implementation then then we can have big problems right okay so by setting up implementation you mean uh, establishing the implementation conditions to empirically establish that the cause led to the effect right so uh, i just want to you know take us back to uh, sir francis bacon who's kind of considered as the father of the scientific method so he said causality can be established by three checks okay so he says that how do you know that x led to y right he said that you you cannot do it by just associations that whenever i see x i always see y does not mean x caused y right so correlation is not causation that we you know discussed a lot in the previous uh, podcast so what he said is there are three rules the first rule is you got to check whenever x was there y was also there so that's the first check the second check is when the x was not there you also expect y not to be there because if x is causing y that means presence of x will lead to presence of y and absence of x will also lead to absence of y okay and the third check if if that is possible if the cause was proportionately increased or decreased the effect also got adjusted accordingly right so these three checks are are very very important to establish that x led to y okay uh, so this, sorry to interrupt you here but someone might ask how many times how many places should i check so you know let's say x causes y how many cases of such should i check to be sure that yes it is a reality uh, yeah so so no that that's why you know we got to use uh, representative uh, samples and Uh, we got to use those rules that yes whatever from the samples that we have seen enough uh, samples so that we can conclude about the population from the sample so that's uh, that's very important i think the best thing that the industry that does it very often is the pharma industry whenever they try to uh, test out a new drug so they have this gold standard of causality called the randomized control trial where um, and i think we discussed this in one of the episode that they will have a, a treatment group or or the group that is given the medicine right and it is compared with uh, another group that gets the placebo or you know a, a fake medicine okay and and then they check you know whether uh, whether the treatment was there um, whether the treated group actually 
showed the intended result and the non-treated group should not have any results and that is how the efficacy of the medicine is established. Now, the golden rule in all this and which is the most difficult part is to ensure that both the groups are equal in all other respects. Hmm, correct. Yes, everything remaining same. Yeah, everything else is same. For example, uh, you know, you want to test out a COVID medicine, right? And you give it to a set of very young volunteers, right? And they get cured very fast. Can you conclude that the medicine cured? Mm, no, obviously not. Yeah, so you you might you might say that those young volunteers would have got cured on their own, right? So you need a control group of again another set of young volunteers and then compare the two. Correct. Makes sense. Yes. Now, one of the things that uh, what RCT does, and that's why it is considered the gold standard, is, is the word R. Okay. The word R is randomized. So what people try to do is one check that I said is that both groups have to be similar in all aspects, right? Yeah. But there are many hidden things as well that can cause a havoc. For example, maybe the guy feels very happy. So their body chemicals behave in a different manner. So Satya, the hidden variables can lead to one group being misrepresented, right? Isn't it? Yes, but not everything can be defined. See, because these are many hidden things that you cannot define, right? Yeah. Then how do you ensure the groups are uh, same in all aspects? So, so So the good enough answer to this case is what they call as randomized. Now, what is randomized? It means that a guy's chances of being selected to be in the control group or the treatment group is one and the same. Okay. Okay. So, so if you walk in, you, it is not that you are selected to be here. You can be randomly picked up and be part of any group. So because of this randomization, they say that all the hidden variables are also kind of, you know, accounted in both the groups. So that's why the randomization is very, very uh, important and to avoid what is known as a selection bias, right? So selection bias can creep in without you knowing about it. Yeah, actually. So uh, why don't we take an example in the context of management? How would uh, RCT look like in the context of a, of an organization, a management? Yeah, you know, if you are doing RCT, right, for example, let's say take a case here that I want to implement, a, a, let's say, an interesting uh, marketing scheme or a, or a dealer scheme, right? And you can say that uh, I, I have selected this, uh, let's say, five or six dealers at random and there is another five or six dealers who are not given this. Right. So that is how you use the Bacon's rule. Right. You apply the treatment, you get the effect. So you give this marketing scheme, you expect the sales to go up wherever you have not given, you expect the sales to stay flat. Okay. So by that, uh, you establish the causality. So when X was there, intended Y happened. When X was not there, intended Y didn't happen. Now, the golden rule is all other factors should remain the same. That means if I have if I have big dealers here, there has to be big dealers there. If there are small dealers here, there are equivalent small dealers has to be there. There are motivated dealers here, then you have to have motivated dealers. Now the problem is the word when I use the word motivated dealers. Now how do you find out? It becomes subjective. Yeah. So randomization is very important. So your people should be randomly assigned to the control group or the treatment group, right? The word treatment here is where the scheme marketing scheme is being applied. So there has to be equal chances of all the participants to be part of this group versus that group. Then you account for all kinds of hidden uh, variables. So the golden rule of all factors remaining the same is, is kind of applied. That's the real RCT. Right. 
Okay. So the problem is, see, the real problem is in organizations, right? Many times you cannot do this uh, so-called randomization. You cannot even run a test. For example, uh, you want to reduce the prices, right? Can you do a pilot, really speaking? And if you cannot set up pilot and compare with a non-implementation area, we cannot establish causality as per the Bacon rule. And if you cannot uh, even establish the primary causality of your solution pre-facto, there is no way that the mystery analysis can be done, isn't it? Yeah, so always remember the, you know, we need a counter scenario, what is known as a counterfactual to establish uh, causality. That means what would have happened if I had not done that? Right. And that's the, the, the difficult part that the counterfactual is not known in an environment. You have already made the change. So what would have happened if I had not done this? And that is why you need a control group, right? Where you try to see that, you know, this is the group where I'm not applying anything. And let me see what happens. So, but I'm giving you a case. Suppose you want to change the prices, right? You cannot say I change the prices for, you know, this 10 customers and the other 10 customers, I don't change the prices, right? Exactly. But, you know, the price is something that if you change, you are, you are gone. Yeah, exactly. That changes the whole game. Yeah, yeah. And then you change the prices for, you know, 10 customers and the other 10 are so pissed off that they don't give you orders. So while running the pilot, you you screw up the company's total financials. So you can't run at times pilots like this, right? And the other case, even after you have, let's say, thought out, um, uh, let's say, a very interesting um, sales program and uh, and you want to, you know, you want to apply it in one area. And, and, and let's say it is possible to apply and isolate in one area. But when you ask people in which area should I apply, should we select randomly? People say, no, why should we do it randomly? Let's select the worst case scenario or let's select where it is easy to implement, right? So the criteria for selection is never a, never a random. Okay, so I see two issues here. Uh, at times using principles of randomization to completely eliminate selection bias is difficult. That is one. And the second is that we may not be able to do an isolated, small-scale control intervention, right? Uh, you'll have to go the entire way. Correct, correct. We cannot do RCT in context of an organization, in, in the purity of the word uh, RCT, right? Which is randomized control trial, right? For example, if you come out with an interesting, uh, let's say, HR uh, policy, right? Would you want to do it for five people and not do it for another five people? And, and it's so strange. You, you can't do it, right? And those five people that you don't give this, they leave the organization and go. Okay. So what is the way to empirically establish causality then? So let's understand if you can't do RCT, what is a good enough method, right? And then thankfully in social sciences over last uh, decade or so, people have come out with a lot of good enough uh, methods to establish uh, causality from, uh, you know, from, from observations. So you can't do RCT, for example. This, this problem, as you can guess, is also there in economics. You can't do this kind of changes in a, in a country or you can't do limited... I can't improve the rates and decrease the rates for half the country. <laughs> yes, yeah, correct. So many things can't be done. So, so people have invented very interesting methods. Okay. So one of the things that people do, and I'll, we'll talk about these methods, uh, which is called the interrupted time series method or regression discontinuity analysis or natural experimentation. These are, these are what I call as good enough methods to establish causality in absence of a proper RCT. Yeah. So the good part is that we have a, we have a parallel uh, or a good enough solution. Yeah, we have a good enough, uh, we don't have a, 
the gold standard called the RCT, but we have good enough. Which is okay because it's always good to have something than nothing. So you said uh, regression discontinuity analysis and interrupted time series, two things, which sound really complex to me right now on the face of it, but I'm sure you'll help us understand them better. <laughs> yeah. Great. So I think uh, I'll quickly summarize it for our listeners. What we discussed is that uh, the need to do mystery analysis first. Uh, and uh, we also discussed that despite rigor in thinking about the problem statement and solution, we need to empirically and unrefutably establish that the solution led to the results. In other words, the results were not a fluke or uh, some other factors led to the results. It should not happen that way. Uh, we also discussed uh, why we cannot do the gold standard of empirical establishment of causality, the RCT, more in the context of an organization. Uh, we need really good enough methods which uh, Satya just introduced as well. So. What we'll do is we'll learn more about these methods and then go to the critical step on how to do the mystery analysis and learn more from some implementations in the past. So Satya, I think in this episode, we're giving out the secret sauce of how Vector operates as a learning organization and how new solutions are invented. So thank you. Uh, we shall come back next week and discuss more about this. You can write to us on our social media handles or our website uh, for any doubts or queries that you might have. Until next time, this is Shubham signing off. Bye-bye.